God's good all the time, isn't he? All the time. Thank the Lord for all of his good blessings. And the song says, I feel like something good has already happened. I just feel like something good is here to stay. Amen. So many times we're always in the future, aren't we? We're always in the past or in the future. And we need to be in the present. This is where we're living, right? We're living today. We didn't live back then, and we're not there yet. We are here to be obedient to the Word of God. And we're here to magnify Him and rejoice in Him. All of His goodness and His love. There are different ways to... to say things so they'll have the best effect upon individual lives and uh, maybe I could just make a point here without embarrassing you just look at somebody and say time stands still when I look in your face can you do that? Now then, see what a reaction, isn't that nice? Now then, say it this way. Your face could stop a clock. <laughs> and see the, react see the reaction you get there. But you're saying the same thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But anyway, I said that for a reason. That's because many times when you speak concerning things and God wants to say things, there's right ways to say them and the right time to say them. Because a lot of it depends upon our being willing or... I don't know how to phrase this either... <laughs> Uh, willing or able to accept what God wants to say. And uh, so it's how we say it, I suppose, that really means something. And then also sometimes you can get the wrong message from something can be interpreted an altogether different way. I was reading in one of my old books uh, 20 centuries of great preaching a little while ago and uh, it talks about back when uh, we had uh, uh, street meetings the evangelist would go out and preach on the street and uh, he had drawn quite a crowd and he was preaching on liquor and what it will do and to illustrate a point, he takes a worm and pours it in a glass of liquor, and the worm dies. And then he says, does anybody understand the message I'm giving here? And an old drunk in the back said, yes, sir. He said, what that means, if you drink whiskey, you won't have worms. 
So you see, you can misconstrue also what God is trying to say to us. But we have been ministering, we started out on the uh, threefold judgment at the cross, where it was not just a little thing that Jesus was working out for us. He was bringing under subjection the powers of the enemy. We as Christians are not under the dominion of his power anymore. And when we realize that, then we'll be able to recognize that Jesus passed judgment on him, and that doesn't mean he's not active, but that means that we spirit-filled individuals are not subject to him anymore. Christ has passed judgment on him, and he has redeemed us, and he's brought us out from under his rulership. In other words, he shouldn't rule us anymore. And then also we'll be ministering tonight on judgment on sins. Now, most of us don't have any problem with that because we realize that Jesus Christ mounted the cross of sin and shame and he died for our sins. Christ judged our sins there on the cross. And he judged the sins of the world on the cross. And if we study our scripture, we know that man is not only in bondage to enemy by our Satan by his natural birth, but he's also in bondage to Satan and to sin. We are in bondage or we're in bondage to sin. All the fruits that flowed from his life characterized and categorized by God as sinful. The works of the flesh were sinful, and they still are sinful in the sight of God. Anytime we walk in the flesh, then we are sinful in the sight of God. Flesh is still sinful. But when Jesus went to the cross, he went there in order that the judgment of God might be passed upon the sins of the whole world. Sins of acts, things that we do, sins as deeds, sins as transgressions were brought under the divine judgment of the Almighty God. Now John the Baptist made this clear when he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Find that in St. John 1.29. And then also in 1 John 2, 2, it says, And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not only ours only, but also for the saints of the whole world. And so there were two witnesses that affirmed this commitment, John the Baptist and St. John the Apostles. And when we turn to Hebrews 2, 9, and you just mark those down because I have them here, and if we turn to them all the time, we would be taking up a lot of time. And it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. In other words, Christ was there in our place. The value of the death of Christ is for those who personally accept him as their savior 
The death of Christ means nothing to those who have not accepted him as their Savior. But when Jesus went to the cross, so sins might be judged in his body on the tree, the sins of the world was judged by God. The Apostle Paul defines the gospel which he preached when he said, I delivered unto you first of all which I received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. The first point Paul was making, that Christ died for us. And he becomes our Savior only when we accept him as Savior. And once we accept him as Savior, that means that our sins have been forgiven. Our sins will always be forgiven when we see fit to ask Christ to forgive them. Over the years I had prayed many times when I stumbled and fell, and I still do because I still stumble and fall. But I prayed God make me aware of everything that I do that is unlike you and that is wrong that I might bring them before you and feel your conviction and repent, and you will forgive me. And I knew that he would. But as I become a little older in Christ, my prayers begin to change. As I begin to ask God to make me aware of the sins of omission and the sins of commission, for I did not want a day go by without... I laid everything at the foot of the cross. I did not want to go to sleep at night with anything that broke communion between me and God. And of course I still ask that. But once I become a little wiser in what Christ wants, I not only ask Him forgive me of my sins, but I ask Him to allow me through the power of the Holy Ghost not to sin as much as I used to sin. And that I might sin less every day, and I realize that is an impossibility, except through the power of the Holy Ghost and the finished work on the cross of Calvary. I realize I still need forgiveness. But I realize Christ is more pleased when I can become and become a victor and an overcomer by the power of the Holy Ghost. Where I won't have to go continually and use that intercessor that he's allowed me to have. Christ is more glad and more proud of my life when I can be victorious over all the sins that always drug me down. And how am I going to do that except I know what they are. And once I have asked God to reveal them unto me... I realize that is putting flesh down and spirit up. And nobody likes to look themselves in the mirror and see glaring sins in their life. Ego doesn't like that. But the spirit inside of us understands that we must take control of our lives through Christ Jesus. I'm glad for the blood that was shed. More than anything else, I will use it. And I have said often, I'm going to go into the kingdom of God if I have to crawl in there 
pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. But that is not my erstwhile desire. I want to walk into the kingdom of God with my hands raised up in victory. Thank God and see Jesus and say I have overcome by the word and by the testimony. And that's what Christ is looking for our overcomers in the word. When Jesus went to the cross, he bore our sins in his own body. Every sin known to man, or every will ever will be known to man, he bore them in his own body. Yes, Barbara, he died for the son of Sam. Sin is sin. That seems so awful. But what about moral sins? What about sins that we don't think is sins? It's just as bad. And we need just as much repentance over that. And God is just as able to reach down and touch a murderer as he is somebody that lives a hypocritical life. Amen. Amen. First Peter 2.24 says, Who by his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Hallelujah. You know, I feel sorry for people that cannot feel the cross. That cannot read the shame and the agony that he undergoes every time we open this word of God and read where he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Something ought to touch our spirit inside to know that he was writhing agony and pain, agonizing for his will to be put under the divine will. Submitted himself and said, These others have done nothing. Let them go. And he was identified as the master and walked out. Brutally, brutally by the hands of sadistic man. You can read it in the Bible. It's in there and it's clear. And uh, the psalmist David even talks about it. When he said his visage was so marred that he didn't look like any man at all. And we ought to see that inside with our mind's eye and understand. He was doing that. That should have been us. We should have been there. We should have been crucified. But he was hanging there in agony. And the sins of all mankind, you and I, was upon him as he bare the sins of many. And set us free, hallelujah, redeemed our souls. Glory, <laughs> hallelujah. I promised myself I wouldn't get this excited, but when I talk about what Christ oh, yeah. has done, Thank it God. is not an old story, it is something new and refreshing and awesome, and yet something awful. When we read it, how could man do this? And yet our Bible tells us that we crucify Him over and over and over. How do we do that? Brother Roy, by disobeying Him, 
by not utilizing the blood that he shed for us, that not understanding the agony of it all as he hung there in your place and mine hadn't paid the awful price for the sins of the whole world and left it open and said, Come unto me all, ye that weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And he says that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And he hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. He didn't say he was finished. He said it is finished. Now the word translated it is finished is a word used and was used back years ago in that place where Jesus was raised and it was used in a business transaction which means paid in full. Not one portion of sins before, of sins now, at that time and sins in the future and sins beyond us, every sin of all types was paid in full by Jesus Christ as he took our place on the cross of Calvary. As he died, the only one that ever could. Some interesting things about that word paid in full that I have uncovered. Archaeologists have uncovered a tax collector's office and found there a number of tax statements with the same word written across the face of them. The word meant the tax bill had been paid. And when our Lord said it is finished, he was saying our debt of sin has been paid for and could be canceled because sin had been judged. As he hung on the cross, as he shed his life's blood, he was judging sin that it should not reign in man's body any longer. Hallelujah. Yeah, he was doing that not for him because he had never sinned. The Bible said, Curses it everyone that is hung on a tree. And he wasn't cursed because he was there in our place. We were the ones that was cursed, but He delivered us from that curse of sin and death and set us free by the power of His Spirit and by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul brings out this truth when he writes in Colossians 2.14, pay particular notice for this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Jesus Christ, in his death, accomplished this. Now then, I want you to notice real carefully, give me your attention, no Roman citizen could be put in prison 
until an indictment containing a list of crimes had been filed and the man had been tried to see to whether the indictment was true or not. An indictment was held against all of us. And we were brought to trial and we were found guilty. All sins we ever committed was nailed there and we were condemned and committed to bondage, so to speak. If a man was found guilty as indicted, he was put in prison and it was a custom to nail that indictment over his prison cell so that any individual going to the prison could look at the indictment and know exactly why the prisoner was there. The indictment was called handwriting of ordinances. Hallelujah. And when anybody passed by before Jesus died on the cross, could see us in bondage of sin and would know we actually committed those things. And in our bondage, all of those sins was nailed to our jail cell, so to speak. Okay? That was the indictment against us. So that anybody would know why we were a prisoner of the enemy. It was the handwriting of ordinance. Now then, after the citizen had served his time and paid the penalty for his crime, the chief jailer would take that indictment from over his cell and right across the face of that indictment, the words to indicate that the debt had been canceled through the man's imprisonment. And then the canceled indictment would be handed to the released prisoner and the released prisoner would return to his home and would post the indictment over his door. Now Christ hanging on the cross because of that blotted out the handwriting of ordinance against us which was contrary to us and nailed it to the cross and paid our price and we were set free and it gives us that writing of indictment and we can hang it over our doorpost and say Jesus Christ paid the debt for us paid in full hallelujah paid in full because of Christ and if anybody passes by there and the devil or anybody else passes by there and wants to know how come we're out of prison. We just simply point to that where it's wrote, wrote across that paid in full by the Master as He hung on the cross of Calvary. And you can hang that and dangle that on the face of the enemy and the face of the devil and say the price has been paid and my imprisonment in you is no longer. Hallelujah! I am free and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! The Apostle Paul said an indictment had been filed against us. An indictment that carried a complete record 
of our sins and of our transgressions and iniquity and unrighteousness and being in bondage, there was no way we could cancel those debts. No way. That's the reason Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, nailed them to the cross. He was nailed there for us. Why? Because if one was to pass by and ask Jesus, Why are you here? While he was hanging on the cross, he could refer to our indictment and say, That's why I'm on the cross. These individuals are in bondage. They cannot pay their sin debt. There is no way in their lifetime they could pay that. And I'm on the cross. And my words, uh, uh, almost the last one I ever said, was, Father, forgive them all, for they know not what they do. And they were nailed to the cross. And we went free. Hallelujah. Because of the cross and sin was judged. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? And we that believe have a right to post a cancel indictment that has been signed by the blood of Jesus Christ declaring that we are free because Jesus went and bailed us out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just simply wrote His name in blood and over our indictment and said, It is finished. Hallelujah. Paid in full. Hallelujah. This is reality. And now we can walk. If we so desire, we can walk in the newness of life. We're not under bondage to the devil any longer because he was judged. Could I just stop long enough and ask just how many of us by our actions and by our words indicates that we are still under bondage to the devil? Huh? It's wrong, saints. Jesus judged that old slew foot on the cross. And He said, now if you come and believe in Me, then you're not under His control anymore other than you reckon yourself to be under His control because we don't realize what Jesus did to Him on the cross and left us to think for ourselves. Who's our Master? And the enemy would say, well, hey, I'm your Master because Adam fell. Oh yes, Adam fell. But then you could say, no, you're not my master because Jesus did not fall. He did what Adam did not do. He sanctified us and freed us. 
by his precious blood. The last man Adam regained for us that was lost in the first man Adam. And that is not for eons out there. That, oh God help me, that is for today. And yet we shall come to his suggestions. We shall come to the fact that he said, Well, I'm the prince uh, and rulers of this earth. And one time he was. And he still rules to a certain extent. But God has made it so that he does not rule you. God judged him. And you accepted the judgment on him. And you become a child of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. And then, while he was there, he was judging the sins of the world. Hallelujah. And he took that indictment that was against us. All that was written down, all our sins and all of that, that was keeping us in bondage. And he went and paid our debt. <laughs> Hallelujah. Paid the price. What does it take to get them out of prison? That was a question. And maybe that's just my way of putting it. But I think the man Jesus Christ went before God and said, What does it take to free mankind from the prison he's in? And God says... It will take every drop of your divine blood shed for them. And if you will do that, they are out of prison. I'll write paid in full in my blood and they are free. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now he's judged the enemy. He is not our he is not who we serve anymore, or at least he should not be. And he's judged sin, and we are not under the bondage of sin anymore. And now there's one more thing that he's got to do. He's got to judge the sin nature. That Sin nature was judged at the cross. Paul writes, Romans 8, 3, What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned or judged sin in the flesh. At the cross, God judged sin or the sin nature in the flesh, in the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same truth is presented in Romans 6, 6, Paul speaking, said, Know this, that our old man, now you could substitute the sin nature for the old man, and you wouldn't do any violence at all to the text has been crucified with him.
anymore. The question one faces is, does this old sin nature in which I was born in in this world have an inalienable right to control my thought life, my words, and my deeds? The sin nature has operated without opposition and untold multitudes of the sons of Adam. And because it has, and because it still runs rampant, even in Holy Ghost-filled individuals, the old man rules maybe more than the new man. And it ought not to do that. Okay? One might conclude because of that that the authority of the sin nature could never be broken, that no one could rebel against this control. But there again, on the cross, by the death of Jesus, God actually passed judgment on our sin nature, our old Adam's nature, and He passed judgment on that. Insomuch that God could say to all that are redeemed, the right of the sin nature to reign and rule has been broken. Before then, before then we had no choice other than to be obedient to what we were born in. All we had was Adam's nature because of his fall and his sin. That's all we had. We knew nothing else until Jesus came and paid our price and judged the enemy and judged sin and judged the old man. Hallelujah. And said, wait a minute now. You've lived under the control of that old man, but now because of the redemptive cause of Calvary, I have broken that, and you are not obligated to be ruled by it any longer. In other words, for we that our spirit feels need no longer submit to the authority of the enemy and the lust of the flesh that was put on us and we were birthed in that. How many of us really know we were birthed through humans and that which Adam failed to realize brought the curse of the enemy upon us and we could do nothing about the birth we was born in until Jesus came, until He built His church, until He gave us the opportunity to be born again of the Spirit. And then, then we took on His nature, a divine nature. Okay? even though that nature is still alive, 
we have been released from the obligation to obey it. Let me give you an example. The President of the United States saw fit to remove Douglas MacArthur from his command in the Pacific at the height of his career. Sad mistake, but that's beside the point. Now, Douglas MacArthur did not lose his position as general, but his removal did mean that those who formerly obeyed him no longer had the responsibility to carry out his orders as far as that area was concerned. They become responsible to the general that had been named to secede him. MacArthur continued as a general, but as a general whose authority had been disannulled, whose right to command was canceled. And in the same manner, the old man of the sin nature, which was once our master and overlord, his authority has been canceled by the cross. We who are children of God have been delivered from bondage through even though the sin nature continues to try to be active in our lives. We have a choice. Maybe later on if we can get to it. There's two of us dwelling in here. You know that. Paul said it. There is flesh, and there is spirit. And Paul said the two are always at war. One who had control all the time seeks to continue his control, and the new man which was placed within us seeks to gain the full control over all of our thoughts and activities. And so we have within us the old man, which has, if we would reckon it through the cross, has been disannulled, no longer obligated to obey him. And we have the new man, which is the Spirit of God, which has released us and which begs us to give him control of our lives. We may choose to obey the old commander, but it's not necessary that we do it. Before then, we didn't have a choice. But now we do. Second, we were delivered from the obligation to obey the sin nature in order that we might be brought under the authority of Jesus Christ. The sad part of it all is, as I was looking over these things, is that we are free so long as we consider ourselves free by the cross of Calvary. But when we take the suggestions of the enemy that says, the devil made me do it, or I just can't help it, that's my nature. It is. It's sin nature. Yes. We're not lying about that. It's sin nature. But we have been released from that 
and by his power given a divine nature. Something that we haven't got used to yet. Amen. We feed that black dog too much. We need to feed that white one. Amen. That black one has been the ruler. He has taken care of everything around there. And now then we have a new one. And it seeks control. And God is so wonderful that He never at any time, when He judged any of these, never at any time did He take away our freedom of choice. All He did was give us a choice that we didn't have before. Amen. Now we are not delivered to embark on a course of lawlessness and independence. We are not delivered to please ourselves. We are not delivered in order that we might be brought into bond, but we are delivered in order that we might be brought into bondage again to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He bought us. He bought us back from the devil who had usurped authority over humanity. And on the cross He bought us and paid for us. And we are in bondage to Him. Paul said that. The Apostle Paul makes it clear, neither yield yourself as men members have instrument of unrighteousness or sin, but yield or present yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instrument unto righteousness unto God. We're delivered from bondage to be brought into bondage. Bondage to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now He did not deliver us in order that we should continue in sin. The purpose of this deliverance was not simply to deplete the ranks of Satan, nor depopulate his kingdom. We are delivered from Satan and from sin and from the sin nature in order that we might practice righteousness. That's who we are. The righteousness of Christ. If he's to have any righteousness on this earth, it has to be us. His church. Romans 6.12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. We are to become servants of righteousness. Number four, this release itself does not give us power, does not, hear me, does not give us power to live a righteous, holy, God-pleasing life. Paul points this out in Galatians. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is no way that we can fulfill the lust of the flesh and still walk in the Spirit. 
And there's no way that we can walk in the Spirit and still fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There two are to- do- totally opposite. The fact of our release from Satan, from sin, and from control of the sin nature does not give us power to live the life of Christ. That life can be lived only by the Holy Ghost of God. That is the only thing that can produce in us the righteousness for which we are set free from the dominion of Satan's sin and the sin nature. One of the most common errors among believers is the belief that having been saved, we have the power to live a life of godliness and holiness by ourselves. It is only... As we walk by the Spirit of God, that the righteousness of Christ can be produced in us. Christ birthed His church so that we would be His His righteousness, not ours, but His righteousness in the face of the enemy, which once had us, which once controlled us, which once dominated us, And all of these things God nailed to the cross. Took them out of the way. And left humanity free to be His righteousness. This release, getting done, from the control of Satan and sins and sin nature, recognizing that, is what makes victory possible. We'll never have victory in our lives complete until we recognize God did all of this on the cross for us. The apostle said sin is judged in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This release, through the judgment of the cross, makes victory every day possible. Our victory, our triumph, our reproduction of the life of Christ in our daily walk is tied to the death of Jesus Christ for us. In the cross of Christ gives gives liberty. Liberty from Satan's domain. Liberty from condemnation of sin. Liberty from the control of the sin nature. All of this. Christ on the cross. In His his suffering. And in His agony. And His desire to stay there. What's being worked out on that one incredible power that hang on the cross was working out that for all the saints of the living God from ages past to ages in eternity and for us here this evening. St. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should go save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ 
by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. St. Paul had no basis for deliverance and neither do we apart, pardon me, apart from the cross of Christ. All the freedom that we enjoy is freedom based upon the judgments that Christ pronounced on the cross took the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us took them signed his name in blood and said the debt has been paid and left humanity without an excuse. We are without excuse tonight. We don't have to live under the control of the enemy. We don't have to listen to him. Even though we do, we don't have to do it. We don't have to pay attention to that which is brought up against us because Christ paid the price and He's hung it there and He shouts in Satan's face, I paid all of this. You have nothing else to condemn them for. I paid it all. And it's hung there over our lives to say it's been judged. Amen. Christ was buried. He rose again on the third day. He appeared for 40 days unto many. And he told the 500 as he get ready to ascend, go to Jerusalem. Something is about to happen there. Something is about to happen there. The deliverance over sin nature is not complete yet. I can't deliver you from a sin nature unless I provide you with another nature. You see, this nature was judged on the cross. But the new nature, which Christ is going to give us, when He said, you go and tarry until you be endued for power from on high, and a church with birth that day, and everybody that so desires it can take on that divine nature of God as that Holy Ghost permeates our lives. And we are a new man in Christ Jesus, and we have something to battle that old nature again. Could you get any freer than that? Is there anything left for Christ to do? Well, I think probably He has put all of that in the hands of His church and His people. He said, now look, I've judged all of that. 
It should never. Could I go over it again? It should never, never rule you anymore. Sin should never be a part of you anymore if judged. And the old man has been brought under control of the new man. Now then could I ask, what more could we want? What more could we ask? And could I ask again, why? Are we taken by the enemy and his suggestions and we immediately do it? And why do we continue to sin when Christ has judged that on the cross? Oh, sure, he said that I would that you sin not. But if you sin, I have an advocate Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He said, but first of all, I wish you wouldn't sin. Because I've judged it. But because you're weak through the flesh, in obedience to it, I've made a way where you can put it all asunder and start over again. Little boy says, I want to start all over. And many of us need to start all over. And then that old nature comes to the forefront. Says that's just the way I am. I can't help it. I can't help it if I'm bullheaded. That's host call nature. Now if I was going to be subject to that, then I couldn't help it. Because that's just the way it is. Of course, it's just the men that's bullheaded. <laughs> it's none of their offsprings that I have noticed through the women as well as the men. It's not through their offsprings was that. But, you know, I, I know that Uncle Roy's hard-headed and Dad's hard-headed. But Todd's not hard-headed. Gail's not hard-headed. Sure, it just passed right on down. And I can't do anything about it when I walk after that old nature. It's part of the tower nature that comes through. That, that strong, silent, rebellious type that you never see much, but it was there. When Mom says it's enough, it was enough. Now, Dad, he'd talk a lot before anything happened, but Mom wouldn't say much. And you see that every once in a while. Rise up. But I'm not, should not be, and neither should you be subject to that because it was judged on the cross. And the new nature. And we have no right, no right, every excuse has been taken away from us that says the devil made me do it, that's just my nature, I can't help it, all this, all excuses was taken away from us on the cross.
And any time we find ourselves walking in old Adam nature, it's because we allow it, not because we have to. Would you stand? Just lift your hands to God and thank Him. Thank Him for redemption. And thank Him for making things possible for us. What He wants from the church. And when He gets that from the church, He'll reach humanity more than He's ever reached it before in the history of the church when it becomes mature and walks after the Holy Ghost that is within us and we recognize that devil is not our master. Sin is not our master. The old man is not our master. Our master is Jesus Christ, our righteous one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.